Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Hamilton Review of Books podcast. Today's episode is called The Book Was Better, or Was It?, where we will talk about books and efforts to adapt them into television or movies. Today's guest is Jamie Krakowski, who is on our editorial board at the Review, and is also the owner of Epic Books in Hamilton. When I first moved to Hamilton eight years ago, this was my go-to local independent bookstore, situated on the lovely Lock Street. Whenever I went in, I talked Jamie's, or Joe Ullman, who also works there, year off. More recently, Jamie expanded her bookstore operations, opening up the sequel, which is attached to the repertoire movie house, The Playhouse. The theater is beautiful, and if you are in Hamilton, I totally recommend checking it out. And it is made even greater by a bookstore that offers up lots of books about film or books that have been adapted into film. So it felt like Jamie would be a great guest for this episode. We will be chatting about books and movies, but we will also be talking about the book and movie Scarborough in our mini book club during the second half of the podcast. So enjoy the show. Hi, Jamie. How's it going? Good, Alex. How are you? Good, good. Welcome to the show. Uh, so I've already told our audience that we're talking about film adaptations of books. Uh, I feel that um, I'm a lover of movie movies, and I assume you are as well. And I love books, and I love seeing great books adapted to screen. Uh, and obviously, I think among bookish people, there's always a bit of snobbery around that, where people folks will be like well the book was better and that's often the case but not always uh and sometimes uh film and television adaptations actually do something different and are just as memorable or more memorable than uh the books that they're based on so i thought it would be great to have you on the show uh and maybe you can tell us a bit about yourself and and why books and movies are important to you yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, as I'm sure you've already mentioned when you did the intro, uh, I'm the owner of Epic Books and Epic Books the sequel. So uh, books have always been a passion for me. I've always been uh, really engaged in, in books. Movies are somewhat new. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. When I opened the sequel location, uh, the main interest for me was the relationship with, with the cinema. With I thought that indie cinemas and indie bookstores really aligned well in terms of our values and what we were hoping to bring to the community. So I was really excited about exploring that relationship and looking at what we could do with that. I am not a film buff. I, oh, okay. I, I'm learning a bit more and I've, I've been, I've certainly been watching more interesting films since I've been at the Playhouse because I feel like they show a really eclectic range of films. But this interest in, in film is, is somewhat new for me. But I, I'm so enthusiastic about it. I just think it's so interesting and and yes, the idea of adaptations from books into movies is is classic. And I think that if it's done right, it really 
hits a, a specific part of our hearts, I guess. So for people who don't know, the Playhouse opened what, just before COVID, I think a year before COVID. I actually remember, it's beautiful. They did an amazing job renovating it and they're a great group of people who run it. And I remember the last public event I think I went to right before everything shut down was their one year anniversary. They showed Rear Window. It was free to all their members. And I think two days later, <laughs> The world comes to an end uh, temporarily. Everything goes in pause. And I know it was a rough go. Had the sequel already opened up at that point? Yeah. So the Playhouse opened, I believe it was March of 2019. And when they opened, we went out there and we did a few events with them, a few smaller things. They invited me to do some introductions when they were doing... They did an event that showed a documentary about Ursula K. Le Guin, and they asked me if I would come and introduce the documentary and talk a little bit about her as an author and why she was so important. So we kind of formed this relationship around you know, discussing books and movies and, and how that works. We opened there on our 10-year anniversary, actually, for our Lock Street location, which was September of 2019. So we were open at the sequel for what? four, five months before, before things kind of changed. Uh, so yeah, so we, it was a, it was a brand new relationship. So we were just getting started there. So it's, I'm assuming it's been a challenging few years. <laughs> it's, you know what, it has been a challenging few years, but it was really, really quite challenging for cinemas. I think in particular, yeah. I just think that given the nature of their business, it was, it was tough. They spent uh, large chunks of time shut down they did yeah. really innovative things. They sold. They did. A, they did an auction for all the. Yeah, like yeah, they did popcorn pickups, and then um, the owners of the Playhouse also own the Princess Cinemas in Kitchener Waterloo. Yeah, and they did this huge auction for movie posters that they have had because they've been in the business for thirty years. So that was a really fun thing that they did. But it was it was it was a challenge for them. Certainly, they were they were closed for long periods of time, and we did whatever we could to kind of help. Like we sold uh, passes that were you know valid for when the theater reopened with an Epic Books gift card in there, and tried to to kind of boost that kind of a relationship. But yeah, so if I could if I could make a plug to to all the readers out there, wherever you happen to be, all the listeners, um, visit your indie cinema. They they're great and and yeah probably still need a little bit of support. Absolutely, I I grew up in Ottawa and they have an amazing repertoire of cinema called the Bytown. Yes, which the the selection is just amazing and it's it's gone through ups and downs as well and I think. There was a new owner. He went up for sale and there was concern it would just be turned into some sort of condo. But thankfully it was bought by someone who wanted to keep it as a cinema. It is so great. There's so many films, foreign films, short films, other kinds of movies, indie films that wouldn't get can't get in especially in in our current cinematic climate where big blockbusters and marvel films dominate the screen times and so it's really important to have these kind of alternatives available and it's wonderful that hamilton has two of them and the playhouse is a gorgeous space it's uh, definitely worth checking out so back to our topic uh what do you why do you think books are good material for films? I know there's a lot of original filmmaking that's not adapted, uh, but obviously a known IP like books has an appeal to it. Why do you think it, when it works, why does it work? Uh, I think 
for me, I think it probably has a lot to do with character and world building and development. And I think that if you have a lot of that built in through a really strong book, it can make for a really great adaptation. Of course, there's also the idea of um, having like a built-in fan base already. If you're, if you're adapting a book that people have read, that people have loved, you, you have that, that built-in strength of, of knowledge. That can go in the other direction, of course, as we'll talk about a little bit later when we talk (laughs) about some of the the worst adaptations, in my opinion. Uh, Yeah, you can you can definitely you can definitely see how that backfires when it doesn't quite hit. I think that a lot of, as you said, the the big Marvel DC blockbusters uh, that backfires for them. They they have to change things to make it work as a film, and people often feel personally in like personally owed something from from these film adaptations so it can go both ways but yeah that's i i think that that's probably something to do with it like tapping into that built-in audience and that that built-in love that that's already there probably yeah and i think if people have their favorite books and they're excited to hear that it's going to be put on screen and you know when we read we often visualize what characters are going to look like and how a particular thing could be shot and how would it look visually and so we we enter all sort of with expectations and if it works we can be blown away and when it doesn't work it can be disappointing but you know there's you know i'll get to best it's not one of the ones I list is best, but look at the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy from 15, 20 years ago, where obviously a huge fan base, it had been, there had been an attempt to adapt it in the past that it was an animated, very yeah. cheesy looking animated film. So uh, it, a lot at stake there. And, and obviously when you do it right, the, the fan base could feel uh, serviced <laughs> and, and they come out in droves. Well, and I think what Peter Jackson did with that that was so interesting because I'm a huge lover of those books. I I have read them multiple times. Uh so I think I think that what he did to kind of protect himself from the fan base a tiny bit was that he did the theatrical releases and then the extended version releases. Yes. Which included a lot of the stuff that wasn't shown in theatrical that fans were screaming about. Were, you know, I can't believe this got cut from the film. Well, don't worry. You can. You had nine this. hours. Come on, you can put everything yeah, in it. Exactly. No, you now you can buy this DVD, and I, I I speak very knowledgeably about this because the Playhouse actually just showed the extended cuts for all three oh, of the really? Lord of the Rings, and I went and saw them with a friend. And that last movie, I swear, we were in the cinema for at least four and a half hours. They had to have an intermission in the middle of these things. They were it so was long. already long because a complaint <laughs> that film has is that it has like three endings and you're like, just end it already. You know, I don't just... care about the Shire anymore. <laughs> just go. <laughs> um, uh, great films. And obviously uh, Return of the King won Best Picture at the Oscars and, and, that, and that film got rewarded, or the trilogy really was rewarded for, for what Jackson did. We can talk about The Hobbit maybe in our, <laughs> our examples of it not being done properly uh but we can we can save that to, to later uh yeah i i'm an oscar buff and so i since a very young age i, I would always watch the the show with my mom and so for films were always very important to me 
and I got more into reading seriously later on. And I think uh, it's interesting because for me, seeing my, like finding a book that I fell in love with, uh, sometimes I'd seen it already in cinema. And one of my favorite books, and uh, we can go into depth or maybe I won't talk about it later, uh, is The Remains of the Day. It's my favorite, one of my favorite novels, the Ishiguro novel. And I saw the adaptation when it first came out and it's a wonderful adaptation and when I first read the book I didn't like it because I didn't think it lived up to the film because <laughs> uh, it is a great it's with uh, Anthony Hopkins and yeah. Emma Thompson and they're both amazing in it and the whole film has done so well um, I, I ended up rereading uh, The Remains of the Day and I've read it several times since and uh, I've come to love it in its own uh, in its own way, uh, but definitely it's I, I've had this. I'm coming at it usually often from a different perspective. Same thing happened with another. Uh, my favorite movie of all time is called The Player, which is an old Robert Altman film from the early 1990s, and it's based on and not a very good like pulpy Hollywood film. Mm-hmm. And I loved the movie and then read the book, and the book was like, eh. so I've done it. I've come I've come at it often on. The, the the other way uh, which creates maybe similar kinds of expectations when you're reading the source material because you were like the film was so amazing <laughs> why is the source material dull or, or doesn't meet up to to what was seen on the screen so uh, yeah that's, uh, i know most people usually yeah. approach it the other way though absolutely i uh it's very rare for me to to watch a movie without reading a book first if there was a book available it's, it's a tick that I have that's just... No, for sure. Although I, I wonder if we would enjoy the movies more if we didn't do that sometimes. Or maybe we weren't comparing it all the time because it, it's inevitable, right? If we read the book and we go see the movie, we compare it. In many respects, they're different mediums. And so they're doing different things and they're taking the source material or the director is taking the source material and presenting it in a unique way. And so it's sometimes unfair for it to be judged against the uh, literary work. And so maybe it is unfair, but whatever, we're book snobs. So sometimes (laughs) we end up doing that. It's inevitable. We can do it our way. That's fine. (laughs) So when you're watching the an adaptation of a book that you love what are you trying to get out of it what are you hoping you see on the screen when you went to go see lord of the rings in 2002 or 2003 when it came out what were you hoping for well i think i think for a successful adaptation from my perspective is is something that stays true to the book not necessarily word for word line for line but something that maintains the feel and the emotion and the genesis but also something that can be presented to an audience that hasn't necessarily read the book. I, I do feel like the movie has to stand on its own, if that if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Just as a sideline example, I went and saw all of the Harry Potter movies, as I think most people of my age did, in the theater, lining up the whole thing. And I went and saw it with a friend who had never read the books. So it was one experience for me, having read the source material, and another experience for him who came out of it quite confused because he was like, I have no idea what just happened. So I, I I think for me, that's not successful. That doesn't feel like it, like it works. So, so I think that you have to, you have to do that. And then, um, Harry Potter could get, get, get away with that though, because so many people had read it. Uh, but that's not the case though, with some books that get adapted. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, 
I think that's a little bit unfair to the audience, to be honest. I, I, I feel like you should be walking into something with a blank slate. Or you should have, you know, that Star Wars moment of, you know, in a galaxy far, far away where they kind of break it down for you so that you're not yeah. completely, <laughs> introduction. This you're is not what's completely yeah. floundering. Uh, but yeah, so I think that that's important. And I also think that for a successful adaptation to work, you have to have the right cast. The wrong cast can can ruin anything if you're looking at a book adaptation. If if your author has described some someone in a very specific way and you cast an actor that doesn't doesn't match that or pulls people out of that moment, I th- I think that you're losing them. That's I was thinking about this a lot earlier today because I was like, what? And is there any example where you think they really screwed up with casting? Yeah, so this is a silly one, and maybe maybe you'll you'll laugh at me, but once again, I recently rewatched this because it was showing in theater. Uh, the original interview with the vampire. Okay. Yeah. So, I loved the Anne Rice novels when I was a teenager, teenage girl, vampire novel, obviously. And the the movie was a lot of fun. It was very campy. It was very strange. It was very dark and moody. There was no way I could picture Tom Cruise as Lestat. It just, it just did not, it Didn't did work. not work for me. It has never worked for me. Every other element of that movie was ridiculous and fun, but that was, it just, yeah. And, and in contrast, just to get back to my favorite <laughs> remains of the day, yeah. casting Anthony Hopkins as the butler was a perfect move, and he he just. Like, I still, when I read the book, I, I can't stop visualizing him in that role because he is Stevens. There's no one else that could have played that role. But no, absolutely. I think, especially books that, that people have read many times over, uh, those books you keep on going to, uh, and, and you've, you've really engaged with how the description of the characters are, uh, you have to find someone who can fit that mold because if you don't, then you're... You're in trouble. So uh, I just quick thing. Uh, we're mostly talking about movies uh, and uh, films, two-hour, three-hour adaptations. But we're also in a golden era of television, and we're all getting sucked into these serial f- uh, films. We're seeing more mini-series adaptations of classic books. And I know it happened sometimes in the 80s and 90s. Uh, Lonesome Dove was adapted in a very famous mini-series in the 1980s. Uh, it was in this campy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, version of the of the horror uh, film. Uh, but now we're getting tons of adaptations. Uh, we're getting incredible ones like Barry Jenkins' uh, take on Colson Whitehead's The Underground Railroad. Uh, I haven't seen uh, Fleischman is in trouble yet Uh, i love the book but i've heard it's a good adaptation as well what do you think of this new trend of more opportunities for these books to be given tv formats rather than the big screen oh i love it yeah i am absolutely 100 guilty of waiting for an adaptation to fully finish so that i can watch all of it back to back uh, that's one of my favorite things to do uh, the one that i ate up and just i mean there's a couple but normal people sally rooney's normal people i, I haven't thought, watched it yet oh alex the <laughs> the adaptation was just so wonderful and the casting was perfect 
it was, I guess, we would consider in North America, they were unknown actors to us. Um, but who's the, they're now famous. They're, Daisy... now, they're now famous, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and not who's that. The lead, who's the lead male? He was just nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, for. What was it? Was it After Sunset? Was that after was After Light? Oh, After After Sun. After Sun. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the he's name. Brilliant. The film name. I forget his yeah. name. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. He's brilliant. They were both brilliant. And the other one that I loved that I I could probably rewatch was Benedict Cumberbatch did the Patrick Melrose novels. I've heard it's great too. I haven't yeah. read either the books or seen the shows, but I've heard he, he's a perfectly cast person for that role he is perfectly cast and those books i i loved them a whole lot some people found them a little bit intense but they were i thought pretty brilliant so yeah there's just so much you can you know in two hours in terms of like really exploring a character and seeing them develop and change there's limits right you really have to get to it and and sometimes i think people who love the source material get frustrated because inevitably you need to cut things when you have that limited time and when all of a sudden you get 10 episodes or two seasons of 20 you know 20 episodes you can do so much more and I imagine that creatively for um, for actors and writers they must like that because you really you're not rushing it you're able to take your time and for viewers you really fewer opportunities to be disappointed uh, because because they left something out or a key thing, and Absolutely. I think the television definitely allows you to to do things that cinema doesn't. You you lose some maybe of the visual scope of things. Like for example, I don't think Dune could be done in a small screen um, in a you know an extended miniseries because a lot of that is the 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 visuality of the of the story. But I think they're going to have what three movies. So they've extended the book into into a three movie format. Yeah. So, kind of. That's that's yeah. Kind I guess of, so. That's yeah, kind of what they're room, what yeah. they're what they're going for. They're get they're building in some more room. I mean, it is a lengthy book, so it's not as yeah. though they're, you know, working with no source material on that one. But and I think it it also lends itself for me personally really well into like the science fiction fantasy realm which is where my heart lives i'm i'm a little bit of a sci-fi junkie so i haven't had a chance to watch yet but i'm really excited that they adapted william gibson's the peripheral into into a tv series and uh, i always just feel like he does such a great job of world building in his they're also making the three body problem into a mini series on netflix i'm very much looking forward to that yeah i Uh, loved that that's that's a book that couldn't be done in a film it needed the, exactly yeah the opportunity to tell that story uh, okay so you want to give us some examples what are your favorites uh in terms of adaptations oh man there's so many but the one that comes to the top of mind and this might be controversial you can you you can <laughs> let me know what you think and i think it's my favorite because i didn't actually really love the book okay. but i loved the movie so I really loved Ang Lee's adaptation of The Life of Pi. It's great. I thought no, it was I thought it was beautiful and moving and stunning and visual and all of the things, but I did not love the book. I'm I felt in the similarly. minority. I was a little <laughs> nonplussed by the book as well, and I loved what Ang Lee like it was one of those things when everyone was doing 3D and maybe 
jamming too much 3D in a lot of the films and that was like perfect amount. It was used at the right moments. It really added something to the storytelling. Uh, no, I love that film. It was a great yeah, one. Yeah, I thought, I just thought it was, it was absolutely. And then what else was I thinking? Oh, I, I really did enjoy uh, Greta Gerwig's new adaptation of Little Women. I thought it was, it was wonderful. And I think that's a perfect example of how cast can make a film because the cast was incredibly, incredibly strong. I cried my way through the adaptation of Indian Horse by Richard Wagamese. Okay. That, that was the last time that I went and saw an emotional movie in theater because the people sitting next to me couldn't believe how much I was crying. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I can't cry for books, but for films, I'm, I can be waterworks at times. Well, this... My wife makes fun of me when I do it. This is, this is my problem. And you know what? I'm going to admit that I am also guilty. If I really loved a book or if a book really hit me emotionally, when I see the film adaptation coming, I, I have to really work myself up to it. Or sometimes I just won't. Like, for example, they just did an adaptation of David Sheriandi's brother. I loved that book so much. And it hit me so hard emotionally reading it. When I saw the trailer for the film, I was just like, I, I don't know if I can do this. I, I, I don't know if I can open myself up to this level of, of emotion. It's reserved for one of those nights where I feel like I need to have a good cry. Okay, good. Like, yeah. like put, it in the, put it in the back with that. But yeah, so I'm, those are a few of my faves. Uh, what else do I have? I made some notes. Uh, Matilda was one of my childhood favorites that I still okay, yeah. that I still love and and it was a good adaptation yeah it was great it was it was fabulous and of course there are some classics that everybody talks about some once again that I read the books and didn't love the books but I thought the movies were great like the godfather I thought the mario puzo novel was fine the movies great i read clockwork orange and train spotting both of those books felt hard to me but the movies were strange and interesting and and really worked on the screen train spotting was odd but great but yeah those are those are a few for me and i'm really really excited about the upcoming film for are you there god it's me margaret okay yes i've uh, i i know it's some people have already seen it i've heard it's great and i think it's showing at the playhouse later this month isn't it it is yeah. i think it might yeah it might be starting this week or next I'm anyway Judy Bloom is my childhood so no for sure I've heard it does not disappoint for those who were fans of her I I guess a couple I want to mention are well Cormac McCarthy died this week yeah Uh, yeah. obviously it's a tragic loss and No Country for Old Men is probably one of the great adaptations of his work and he's difficult to I, I would imagine to adapt because he's so vivid in his descriptions his prose is very dense and for them to make that film which was very faithful um but like really focus on the visual idea of what McCarthy was putting on the page uh and and also I think they made little tweaks here uh, there's that scene where uh Llewellyn's wife confronts Jagger at the end when he's offering to flip the coin and she's like no I'm not doing that it's it's more powerful in the film than it is in the book and so th- that's an example of how you know directing and acting can really uh take a scene from a novel and really make it 
that much more affecting. And the other one, which is one of the weirdest ones, is uh, Adaptation. Uh, it's the Is it Spike Jones who did it? Yeah, it's Spike Jones, yeah. isn't it? Where he adapts, what is it? Is it White Oleander or something like that? Absolutely, <laughs> or, or, yeah. Or, or it was a weird it's, book about flowers. Yeah, by, uh, <laughs> by Susan, uh, Susan Orlean, who's one of yeah, my yeah. favorites. Yeah. 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 And what a wacky take on that book, which has nothing to do with the contents of the novel. And I'm just curious. Uh, I've never seen her quotes in terms of what she thought of that adaptation. She could probably have her film adapted again to actually reflect what she wrote. But I just thought that was such a, a quirky kind of approach uh, to that. Okay, so what are your examples of, of adaptations you hated? So I, I was looking at these and then I was like, oh my goodness. So all of these kind of fit into the science fiction fantasy realm which is kind of interesting so i'm like i guess there's some pretty big flubs i am a, a huge fan of the chronicles of narnia c.s lewis yeah. i reread them probably once every couple of years the adaptations of the lion the witch in the wardrobe and any of the other books that they did i didn't even watch the other ones because the lion the witch in the wardrobe bothered me so much and it had tilda swinton and james mcavoy and i was like how did you mess this up it just did not work for me. Absolutely. I, you know, and we did touch on The Hobbit earlier. The Hobbit is very problematic. It's a tiny little book that they stretched into three feature length films. It, it did. Felt like work. a money grab, didn't it? It, yeah. it did. It really, it really felt like, yeah, like a cash grab. And the one that I think makes me giggle the most, it, because the new adaptation, I think, would almost fall on, on some of people's favorites list is, is Dune. I tried rewatching David Lynch's Dune before the new adaptation came out, and I just was like, oh my god, this is, wow. And, and it had a cast, like... Was it supposed to, there's this famous adaptation that was never done, I forget, there's a documentary about it, Jarinski's, Jer it was a Polish director, yeah. who had this amazing vision of what it could be, and it never got released, because he couldn't get funding for it. I have to say, before the new one came out, I listened to the audiobook. I hated it. And then <laughs> I went into the film and it was like everything I hated about the book was in the film. Uh, and so it just was not for me. I just thought it's a very slow story. And uh, I think Lord of the Rings is a slow book as well um, compared to The Hobbit, which is like this perfect little adventure novel. But at least uh, Jackson does really did a really great job at pacing out those books you know inserting enough battle scenes yeah. you know making creating enough tension that you weren't and and ignoring maybe the intense descriptions that Tolkien relies on in the book and so Dune it just felt it was like it, the, the vibe of it didn't like it did you like the new one I did like the new one I had issues with the sound in the new one though I haven't watched it on the small screen. I went to go see it with a friend on the big screen. And both of us, when we were leaving, thought, there are snippets of dialogue that I think I missed in this movie because of the way the sound editing was done. It didn't feel quite level. And I am not a film professional, so I don't know what the, the real term for that is, but I just, I thought, 
something was a little bit off with the sound editing for there's me. a lot of articles about how there's a lot of issues with sound in movies they're very loud uh, or not loud enough and there's in terms of sound mixing a lot of films struggle and i think people are struggling listening like or getting the right uh audio experience that they should be in the movie cinemas so absolutely yeah because when we left i thought well, I guess I can wait for it to come available on streaming and then watch it with subtitles. And I just thought that's an interesting thing to to think about a a big screen movie that probably had a very large budget to make these thing these types of things work. But I but I thought visually it was it was beautiful. It was perfect. It was everything that Dune should be. So I'm excited about that. I enjoyed the book though, Alex. I'm I am the opposite to you. I I was engaged with it. I thought it was interesting and still. It may have not been a great audiobook, and and I'm not a huge uh, sci. I like sun science fiction. I enjoy, but I'm not. It's not the genre of choice for me. Yeah. Uh, so it, it you know, it, I'm I for some reason I'm really I'm not huge into a lot of world building okay. and and I find and, and that's the fantasy and sci-fi. It's world building <laughs> okay. and that's that's the 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 scaffolding of the stories is so based on that and so. Uh, for whatever reason, I, I struggle sometimes when there's uh, too yeah. much of that. Um, but anyways, it's whatever. It's my my personal take. One uh, adaptation which I refuse to see because the reviews were horrible is The Goldfinch. And The Goldfinch right. is one of my favorite novels. It's it, it should be perfect for cinema. And I've only heard negative things. Apparently, Donna Tartt broke up with her longtime agent as a result of because she wasn't given enough control over the finished product Interesting. and she was she was right obviously because she because uh, the finished product turned out so so badly so I've, I've refused to see it i think it's streaming on netflix maybe some point when i want to hate watch something I'll, I'll put it on but i don't know if yeah. i want to do that two hours no, of my life it's, it's really tricky when it's a book that you love and and you're not certain what to think about this adaptation. I have a problematic relationship with, with The Goldfinch that is unrelated to the actual book of The Goldfinch, which I did enjoy. Uh, I'm more of a secret history person, though. I'm not going to okay, lie. Okay, fair when, enough. When, yeah. it, when it comes to my Donna Tartt, secret history is more. Is more We're never my... going to get that adapted, I don't think. I don't think so. Ab- after that Goldfinch experience, I think she's, she's never going to let it. anyone <laughs> do it. No one's going to be allowed to touch her work again. And that's fair enough. I appreciate that. Uh, one thing's uh, Ishigura is my favorite novelist, and I'm yeah. really looking forward. Apparently, Guillermo del Toro is going to adapt as in an animation, um, The Buried Giant, which I think Ooh. is one of his more underappreciated books. I didn't, I wasn't crazy about it the first time I read it. I read it a second time. I thought it was amazing. Uh, it'll, it's perfect for that. Oh, that'll be the, interesting. That kind yeah. of approach. Yeah. So is there, a, are there any other adaptations that, that didn't wow you or that you having your least favorite th- Never Let Me Go wasn't, I know people, some people like it. I wasn't great, a huge fan about that, of that. I'm just trying to think if there's any others that really disappointed me. I know, I was, no, I think yeah, I was trying to think of it earlier today too, and I was like, maybe I'm not picky enough, or I just, if I really love a book and I don't think the adaptation is going to hold up, I just don't watch it. I just don't go there. I guess the, uh, what's it called? The Hunger Game ones? The, the Hunger Game, the first two are great, but then they did the same thing as 
they split the last two because freaking Harry Potter did that. <laughs> Harry Potter, without yeah. Deathly Howls, and they turned they made the last episode, uh, the last book into two movies, and then The Hunger Games, which had a much shorter. I think it was not Catching Fire. I forget what the last Mocking one was called. Mocking Jay, it's not a long book. It does no. not merit two movies, and it's by far and I, and Philip Seymour Hoffman dies in in pre before production, so it it, it skews things they have to do, and and so it definitely um, disappointed because the first two movies were quite good, I thought, and were were good adaptations. So it was disappointed that it ended on such a, a, a sour note. Well, and they're going back to it, right? Because they're adapting the the prequel that was published last year or the year before which yes. i haven't read so i don't i haven't read it either, I, I, don't, I don't know if i'm if i'm gonna go back there or not we'll we'll see but yeah uh now, tell me i i did put a little thing uh to talk about books about movies and i'm not sure if you you like to read much about it because i know you you do have books about movies uh, I just wanted to plug two that I read this year. People should go pick them up at your indie bookstore. Mad Max Fury Road is one of my favorite films of all time. And uh, I forget his name. He's a reviewer for the New York Times. Released a book called Blood, Sweat, and Chrome. Mm-hmm. Which is an oral history of the making of that film. And it's great. And it's you know it's one of those films that appears to be a disaster waiting to happen. And so many things go wrong. And then they decide to go to the desert uh, for like 60 days to see and 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 no one knows who's in it what exactly is being filmed and because they're like very short snippet shots and you know it's definitely a wonderful uh, book and recently I just read Oscar Wars because again I'm an Oscar buff and that's all about uh, it, it looks at different periods in the Oscars and looks at one year every decade almost and a particular year which was important and its cultural impact and and whatnot so those are two books is there any books about movies that you would you'd like to oh yeah that you love there's there's tons and i don't read as many nonfiction books as i probably should so i'll tell you some of the ones that have been really popular in the store right now and why i think that that's the case so we have this really great one called it came from the closet uh and it's queer reflections on horror films Oh wow. And it's so much fun. The cover is is great and people have just like been loving it. And everyone I talked to that's read it has really loved it. Uh they think that it's 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 a lot of fun. And I also really like um ECW Press does these really neat little books called Pop Classics and they have they're short. They're they're almost like little mini essays, I guess you would say. They're tiny little pocket books. And they have a variety of films and, and music and all kinds of things. So the ones that, that we like in the store are the uh, Extra Salty, which is about Jennifer's body. And oh, okay. National Treasure, which is about Nick Cage, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and they're just, they're fun. They're cute. They're, they're great little gifts to, to give to people that are, that are into film. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff lately. I mean, Quentin Tarantino just did a big book called uh, Cinema Speculation, about all the films that inspired him as a young filmmaker. We've got some really great Studio Ghibli stuff right now. There's a a giant uh, Miyazaki. There's a new one coming out, isn't there? There is, yeah. Yeah, He came out of retirement. Yeah, well, there was a new book, uh, Shuna's Journey, which just came out. Yeah, Uh, yeah, so there's there's some great stuff in the film section. It's, It's a lot of fun for me personally as somebody, as I said, that's not a huge film buff. 
to go through the catalogs and look at all of this stuff and think, oh, this is interesting. I bet you somebody's going to be interested in this. Like I ordered a book called Hollywood, the oral history, because I was like, oh, I bet you that'll be so much fun. And then I, I get it in and it's like 768 pages or something. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, people are going to read this. No problem. You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, movie buffs will for sure. Um, okay, that's fantastic. So let's take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Scarborough. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Welcome back. We are talking about Scarborough. Uh, it's a book by Catherine Hernandez, who is an author based in Toronto. The uh, I think the book got a lot of acclaim. I don't think it got listed for the Giller or anything, but the film adaptation, which came out, I think, a year ago, uh, swept the Canadian Film Awards. I think it won some acting prizes and it won Best Picture and Director and a bunch of technical categories. Uh, so it's good Canadian content. So we thought it would be a good one uh, to discuss. Jamie, thanks for recommending this book. First of all, or this book slash movie. First of all, what was your thought? about the book I really enjoyed the book Alex I was uh so the book has been out geez I think it was 2017 now that it came out so it's been out for a little while yeah and it's it's one of those ones that a lot of people had said to me you should read this book you should read this book and so you know it keeps floating around on the TBR pile as as books tend to do which is why I thought it might be a good one for us I found it so compelling and very very readable it was I read through it at a very quick pace. I, I I couldn't put it down. I was just so, you know, engaged with what was going on with these characters. I am a sucker for a multi-perspective novel. I, I enjoy that a lot. I find it makes it a more enjoyable read for me if you get a little bit of what's going on in everybody's lives. And yeah, I, I really liked it. I liked, uh, I liked a lot of things about it. I'll, I'll let you give your first impressions and then we can dive in. <laughs> Jamie, we're opposites again, because <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of multi-perspective novels. I love first-person narratives. That's usually the, the novels I, I enjoy the most. I, I like the book, and it's very readable, and I zoom through it as well. I did find it was a little heavy-handed at times in terms of the the political message, and I like political novels, mm -hmm. and I like progressive, radical political novels. Uh, one of our future episodes next early next year is going to be on politics and prose. I found at times it was a little... Um, I don't want to say over the top, but it was just a little too obvious in terms of some of the characterizations of the characters. Every character felt uh, felt like serving a particular role and advancing the general message of the the film and I the sorry the book and I felt that in writing sometime in a book form I find that sometimes jarring. Um, I thought it worked better in the film though. Uh, so maybe we can. What are your thoughts yeah. about the the movie? Yeah. Okay. Um... I really liked the movie as well. I I was hesitant about the movie, to be honest, because this is another one of those books that I read. And I felt the content was was just emotional enough that if the movie was done well, it was it was gonna be hard. That was my that was my fear, was I thought, oh, I'm gonna be so invested in these in these characters in this movie that I'm just gonna be swept away by it so I was I was nervous about watching it 
and I ended up really enjoying it. I I thought that they handled some of the more difficult topics in the book in such a way that it didn't feel overwhelming. It there was there was hope and positivity and it didn't feel gloomy and negative and Although I was bawling those last 30 minutes. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I paused it a few times. There were, there were a few deep breath moments. Uh, <laughs> but, but I think so. I thought, what I thought was interesting was the, the part of the book that added the, that relief for me was, was Miss Hina and her emails. I thought that that added the little bit of, of humor and relief from the, the tension of the novel. So um, before we get too far, we haven't told our audiences what the book is about or what the movie is about. So maybe we can give a bit of a background. Big surprise. Yeah. We got too excited just uh, with our own opinions. So it, it follows three families, really. And the, yeah. the teacher in this uh, literary center that's in a school, each family has one or two children who are uh, definitely from economically disadvantaged situations. And it and so it really deals both with the interactions of the kids and the friends they they have through this uh, literacy center but also the struggles that the parents are dealing with one with you know extreme poverty the other one managing trying to work and, and raise a kid who's getting bullied at school and the other uh, with two kids a spunky daughter but also a, a young son who clearly has aut- is on the autism spectrum and struggling to get the resources to deal with that i really liked the, the film i f- i think some of the things I found more heavy-handed in the book I find work better in the context of the in a film bothers me less I guess in in that medium I found I really enjoyed the style it's there's a lot of shaky cam that I think adds to the kinds of disorienting experiences that everyone's going through just trying to manage uh, the situation I love how like they do like there's a lot of focus visually on the faces of the children and the kid and the adults on the other hand are often blocked out or they're looking the other way Uh, the child actors are great uh, I think they all do wonderful uh, work. I, yeah, in the last 30 minutes, uh, obviously something tragic happens and uh, you're dealing with how the both the adults and the children uh, process uh, what had happened and, and coming to terms with their circumstances and how they can, you know, take the next step. It is hopeful. There is some sense that there is some opportunities. But in terms of a film that really captured how living in poverty in a big Canadian city feels like, the fact that uh, these uh, individuals lack access to resources, even though they exist, there's all sorts of barriers that they face uh, trying to access theoretically universal services I really you it really comes through it comes through in the book as well uh, but in terms of the capturing that in the in the film I thought it was quite well done yeah I agree with you and on on all points really and just to reiterate I think that those children are superstars they particularly I was particularly drawn to to Sylvie I just thought she was just such a stunning actress and Every, every everything about the cast felt very on point like it it, it felt very thoughtful and well cast and 
Uh, one thing I have to say, so I, uh, we'll have to disagree again. I'm not sure if the emails worked <laughs> as well in the film because just so people they know, no. yeah, because in the in the book there is an email communication between. Um, sorry, I can't recall what's the name of the uh, ECE who's in the uh, literacy center. So it's Miss Hina, Hina yeah. and. And her the person, Jane. her supervisor, Jane Fulton. I, I think the reason that they didn't work as well in the film is because they didn't carry it forward all the way. Uh, I think that it, it was something that kind of dropped off Although, halfway through. In the book, and spoilers to anyone <laughs> who hasn't read know, it yeah, spoiler yet. Spoiler alert. In the book, <laughs> the, uh, Miss Hina f- uh, files a grievance and this manager gets, uh, I guess, terminated from her position or or moved to another department or whatever it is i think the move to another department which never likely. happens in the world and i say this is a labor lawyer this never, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never actually happens but that's how it's resolved because the the woman is the the jane is uh, uh her manager is quite insensitive at various times i actually liked how they did it in the film when they actually have a confrontation i thought that was one of the most power more powerful moments where she actually calls out Jane for her lack of empathy in this very tragic moment. Uh, I thought it was very moving uh, part of the film. Yeah, and I thought that was a wonderful way to handle that. Absolutely. So then I agree with you on the emails. I think that either they should have found another way to get that content yeah. into into the film or they should have carried it forward to the end. Yeah. Is, is just kept on doing the emails. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it, just, it just felt... Um, it felt a bit disjointed because it was, you know, yeah. there one moment and then gone the next, which was which was kind of sad for me because I, like I said, I I loved the emails in the book. I I thought they were they were they just, worked well, yeah. They just worked well and added added some some fun context to to the narrative, but uh, but yeah, that I think was one one element that wasn't quite. And I do like some of the changes that they made to the end of the film versus the end of the book. Like I liked the spot that they ended the film on, the the hopeful yeah. spot, the hopeful moment yeah. with Bing, as opposed to the, like, I guess it's like an epilogue chapter with Laura in the afterlife comforting the neighbor yeah. from her yeah. apartment building with her mother, which yeah. was a bit of a disconnect, I think, for some readers. Possibly. Yeah, it's probably a good. It wouldn't have worked in in the in the film like that, right? Because it's just a very realist film. Doing that kind of ethereal ghost yeah. would not have worked uh, well, no. Well, and I think that was part of what made the adaptation work so well was having Catherine Hernandez herself doing the adaptation. I think she was able to lean into the strengths of of the book and the things that got cut and the things that got shifted around really made sense. You didn't really feel the lack of them. It, does that does that yeah, make know, make sure. sense? Yeah, with, yeah. yeah, like I didn't like I said the that one little snippet with Laura, and also the um, the situation around Christmas time, with the family that was having dinner and the one member of the family that left to have, you know, an affair in. Or you can't even really call it an affair. Bare, they hardly explored that, right? And there was that other thing when the the kid who does the uh, the murals uh, didn't he get arrested in the in the in the novel, right? Yeah. And it ruins his life, even though he's like 
he's being doing paid. these murals yeah. he's a, being paid and and the cops just assume he's doing something wrong so I like I, I, I liked that change in the film as well because I thought that was a more hopeful ending to his story. We didn't see him get arrested. We saw no, we saw sure. more of a positive. And some of the characters that that weren't uh, engaged in the film felt felt like they belonged in the book. But I don't know how you could have found room for them in a movie. So I think I think from an adaptation standpoint, I think that. The author, Catherine Hernandez, did a really wonderful job of figuring out what should get cut and what should stay. Yeah. It's It must be hard, I would imagine, as someone adapting your own work because your book is your baby and, and, you're, and you're being asked to cut sections that you obviously were attached to uh, and because of whatever reason because there isn't enough time it's a long movie it's two hours and 17 minutes uh, so they couldn't be much longer than that so I would imagine it would be a, have been a challenge for her to have done that but you know it was a, a very good adaptation is it was that her first film do you know if she's adapted uh, done screenplays before well that's her first film but I think I believe from what I recall she does have um a lot of experience in theater. I think she's worked in in theater and she's written plays previously. Okay, that helps. So, for so sure. I feel like she she definitely has that that background. So she knows how to she knows how to pace. She knows how to lay things out. She knows how to block probably. So so just thinking about all of that, I'm sure, really helped with with the adaptation. No, but sure. yeah, I can't imagine what that process looks like. Like you said, you, you put things on the page for a reason because, you know, it feels like part of the story for you. And then when it comes to that moment, you have to say, but I can't fit it in. Sorry, I was just going to say, I prefer that. I prefer the, the having something left in, left out rather than having something crammed in, crammed in that didn't really, they didn't have time to develop. Um, was it all filmed in Toronto? It looked like it was filmed pretty locally. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It, it very much looked like Toronto. Yeah. Always such a risk when you're doing films with kids in it. And, and I found, you know, these are complicated roles. You know, the, they're often, there's a lot of silences. The way the kids had to communicate was often through their eyes and, and getting that out of young actors I'd imagine you know when you're not just reading lines but having to like do something extra in terms of just your physicality and your facial expressions I, it was just super impressive yeah particularly with Laura's character yeah who has very few lines yeah that's very few lines but I feel like was very expressive in in other ways like I really I really felt connected to that character and and in and, and such difficult scenes, like the scenes with her mother uh, and the neglect that she experienced through her mother's drug addiction and the whole encounters where she's being left alone in the apartment for hours and hours is just, it's very emotional to watch because that experience, because you know that's probably the experience and maybe not every parent is a, uh, in those situations is neglectful because of drugs or whatnot. It's because they have to go to work and they can't afford daycare and, you know, and the only solution is to leave your six and seven year old and teach them to take care of themselves for several hours while you make your pittance of, of wages somewhere it's uh it was it was pretty heartbreaking yeah that that was certainly hard to watch uh, the scenes with her with the razor blade were yeah you know knife's edge and uh and the moldy bread yeah I the know, moldy bread was, was hard i 
I really struggle with with seeing that because I feel like there's Kids a visceral poverty, reaction. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's tough, but but overall I think I think it was a brilliant adaptation and um well, yeah. won all the awards. I can see. <laughs> We're I, not the only ones who agree yet. I can see why it won all the awards. So you think, you think it was a stronger film than book? Than a book, I like the film more than the book. Yeah. Uh, does sorry, I, I don't. I can't remember if I asked you this earlier or not. But does that happen to you often, where you you prefer the the film to the book? Because it's very rare not, for me. Not necessarily, uh, but I think there there was things that. I kind of sensed going in because I know the things that annoyed me in the book wouldn't would annoy me less on the screen. I just okay. I felt it worked and it it was still there. Some of the things I think were still a bit heavy-handed, but that said, the emotionality of the last 30 minutes really <laughs> convinced me that this film was pretty awesome. So I, I was won over even before then, but it definitely ended. Films that end on such a strong note and are that overwhelming uh, emotionally uh, really speak to me. So no, they hit all the right notes. Yeah, and I think that's what resonated with me a lot as well was that, was that, that emotional feeling of hope at the, at the end. That's what really... I mean, I was crying right along with everybody else when when Johnny asked for crackers. Like that was yeah, I know that scene. And Jenna was like, no, that was like, it. Gonna pause this for a moment. <laughs> no, fantastic. Is there any adaptation you're looking forward to coming out in the in the near future? Um, There's Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, which is the new Martin Scorsese film that looks great. Yes, uh, so I haven't read the book that. though. So yeah, it, apparently he makes significant changes to the book. Oh, and wow. really makes an effort to center the Osage story more so than the book does. Which is, uh, you know, a fair change to be making, absolutely. And I feel like if anybody can get away with making changes, it's Martin Scorsese. Yes, he's, he, a, yeah. he, he's a little bit more forgiven for these, for these yes. kinds of things, probably. Yeah. Particularly if he's making, you know, warranted and necessary changes. No, for sure. Um, yeah. I can't really think of anything that's... That's on my radar right now, and I'm sure there are there are many things. There was something else that that I just did a reorder of in the store because I thought, oh yes, that's there's an adaptation of that coming, and now it, it's it's not going to come to me. At it's all. okay. You'll remember afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Oh, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I want to I I want to thank you, Jamie, for joining us uh, for this episode. It's been great to talk to you about movies and books. And uh, and also getting me to read Scarborough, uh, which I uh, enjoyed, and I really enjoyed the film. So thank you so much. And we'll leave it at that. And everyone listening, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, Alex.